I'll just play. Guys, you may be seated this morning. Where's Jamie at? Jamie? I've got a Bible to pass out. There she is. We had baptism. Baptism last week at the river. 
And so uh, baptism is the last Sunday of every month at the river. So if you have questions about baptism, about salvation, please come and see me. Congratulations, a new Bible and your baptism certificate. Absolutely. Give her a hand. All right. All right. Announcements uh, today. So there is no, because of the holiday, normally we have Bible study on Sunday nights at 6. No Bible study tonight uh, for, for men's, uh, men's Bible study tonight because of the holiday. Anytime there's a holiday, we like people to be able to spend the time with their families on the holiday. Wednesday services will be normal time. We have dinner every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. So if you're visiting with us this morning, we, we cook, uh, have cooking teams that they go all out. We cook a big meal on Wednesday nights, and we eat together on Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. And then we have our classes, our Bible studies, young adults, children, um, and youth. All are on Wednesday nights from 6.45 to 7.45. So, uh, yeah, please come on Wednesday night if you've never came on Wednesday night. It's a great time. Shoebox Ministry. I know we just started the announcements on this for Franklin Graham's Samaritan's Purse. There's a list uh, for the Shoebox Ministry they'll put up there. Uh, please uh, start getting that stuff. We will pack that shoebox list uh, and those boxes in November. Do you guys have the list, Dave, the shoebox list? We'll put it up there. Uh, there it is, shoebox list of all the stuff we need to fill shoeboxes. What they do with those is they send those boxes all over the world to kids who literally don't have anything. And they open these things, and they are so excited. A lot of times we get letters back. Uh, you can write and it starts correspondence with, with these children from other, uh, other countries around the world. So it's a, an amazing ministry that uh, Samaritan's Purse does. It's uh, led by Franklin Graham. So it's a great, great ministry. Okay, I had some questions about this. Grief Share. Grief Share starts September 7th. September 7th on Thursday nights. So if you know someone who has lost a loved one, uh, you know someone who's grieving, they need some help with that grieving, Grief Share starts September 7th from 6 to 8 p.m. It's every Thursday night uh, here at the church. So that September 7th would be this Thursday, starting this Thursday night from 6 to 8 p.m. So if you have any questions, please let us know. We'll, we'll get those answered the best we can. Uh, women's uh, Monday night Bible study. Because of the holiday, women uh, on, Wednesday, on Monday nights, no Bible study this week. So no Bible study tomorrow night. I'll pick that up again. They'll pick that up next week. The, the, the new women's Sunday night Bible study, uh, on, it's called, the book is called Emotional Victory. Those books are in. They are here today. The cost is $11. Where's Miss Brenda at? Miss Brenda Espy, please see Miss Brenda Espy and she will get you your book. Cost is $11. The study starts Sunday night, September 27th. So be ready for that, uh, ladies. We'll have men's Bible study and women's Bible study uh, every Sunday night. Women's ministry announcements for this week. No women's coffee uh, this week. They are doing a women's recipe swap, which that sounds like, sounds like a pretty good deal right there. Can we have like a, a women's recipe swap night where the guys come and get to taste the stuff? Can you guys organize that? It's an idea, right? I mean, my fellas all are liking that idea. What is it? That's on Thanksgiving? Okay. All right. All right. I got you. Uh, women's recipe swap is September 22nd. What night is that on? Friday night, uh, September 27th, here at the church. So you'll bring your favorite dish to share and the recipe to swap. Fellas, we're going to eat at McDonald's that night, okay? <laughs> September 22nd, right? Friday night, September 22nd. Okay. What time? Six o'clock. All right, six o'clock, September 22nd. Ladies only. And we do not do the identifying as a lady, okay? So none of that, fellas, all right? We'll go to McDonald's. We'll hang out that night. We're bachelors, it sounds like. Okay, uh, short list of announcements today. Hey, big thank you last Sunday night. If you didn't come to it, we had a great time. We rented out the Marshfield pool for all the kids and all the youth and the whole church. Everybody came. Big thank you to Sierra and Joel and Shelly and everybody helped. Uh, put that on uh, last Sunday night. Any other announcements that I forgot today? Yes, Mike. There won't be any At High Street Baptist Church, the Save Our City Revival is Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night at 6 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Starts at 7 o'clock at High Street Baptist Church. So no freeway service here on Saturday night next week. So if you're visiting this morning, every Saturday night, we have an outreach, a ministry called Freeway, where we share the gospel 
every single week. Every single week we, we feed people a meal on Saturday night uh, and we share the gospel. Uh, as a church, that is the most important thing we're doing is representing Christ in a fallen world. And so we want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. So we have a special service Every Saturday night called Freeway Ministries, that's exactly what we're doing. So uh, if you've never came on a Saturday night, we have people give their testimony about how Christ changed their life. We have usually a message, uh, a worship time, and then we have dinner beforehand. So it starts at 5.30 on Saturday night. So any questions uh, or, or anything else that I missed this morning? Okay, if you would stand, let's take up our morning offering, and we'll have our time of worship before we jump into God's Word uh, together uh, today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, again, I thank you, Lord, this morning just for the opportunity to come here, Lord, to worship you. And as we enter our time of worship, uh, God, today, giving is absolutely an act of worship. It is trusting you. We are just the managers, as we talked about being good stewards last week. We are nothing but stewards. And so, Lord, let us be good stewards of what you have entrusted us with. And in everything, we point people to you. You are the answer to all the problems in the world. You are the answer to our sin. You are, the, you are the key to life. And so, Lord, we point people to you. We love you. We thank you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen.
Thank you, guys. You may turn your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 37. If you would, please remain standing. We're going to honor God's Word together as we read together. Genesis 37, 1 through 11. Genesis 37, 1 through 11. It says this, Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Lila and Zelphi, his father's wives, and Jacob, or excuse me, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheath rose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheath. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, Lord, this morning for... I, I thank you, Lord, for this and what happened uh, in this passage and, and, and what happens with Joseph l- later on uh, that we're going to probably talk about in the coming weeks. Uh, Lord, there is a lot here that we can look at and learn from. And so, Lord, today I pray that your church will take these lessons to heart, will learn from them, apply them in our lives. And in everything we do, Lord, give you the praise and glory. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, back just real quick, uh, Family Sunday, we have communion. We'll take communion at the end of the service. So the kids don't go downstairs today. They stay up here with us. So that's kind of Family Sunday. But I'm excited to be back in the Old Testament. So what we've been doing is going and looking at some of the, the, the historical figures, some of the main people in the Old Testament what happened with them? What can we learn from their lives? Uh, and today, I, I want to focus on a man named Jacob. Uh, Jacob was the son of Isaac. Uh, Isaac was the son of Abraham. So Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. If you remember, we, we talked about Abraham for about six weeks. Uh, Jacob had a brother named Esau. There's so much in Jacob here, and it's like I've, I've fast-forwarded to the end of it, so I want to cover some of the earlier stuff, and maybe I should have preached a whole bunch of sermons on Jacob, but this passage kept coming into my mind and, and thinking about this and the context of this. Uh, so let me cover a little bit about Jacob leading up to this. Uh, he, uh, Jacob, when he was a young man with his brother Esau, he bought his birthright. Uh, he was born second, so Esau was, was the number one son, so he was supposed to get all the inheritance. He, he had the birthright, and he bought the birthright for a bowl of stew. Esau was a mighty hunter. He loved to go out and go hunting and be out in the wild, and you would think today he was probably would be out dove hunting or because or, dove season started this week, and he just loved to be outside shooting stuff and killing stuff. Jacob, on the other hand, stayed inside. He liked to be inside. Him and his mother had a very close relationship. Esau was uh, very close with his father. And so uh, Esau came in from hunting one day and was starving to death, he seemed, he thought. And uh, Jacob had had made a big old pot of stew and, and sold his birthright. Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. Sounds pretty crazy, but there's a reason why this comes into play later. Uh, Jacob's name translated, you know what his name's translated? It means he deceives. It means he deceives. Jacob and Esau grew up together living kind of a nomadic life. They traveled around a lot. I said Esau was an amazing hunter. Jacob stayed at home. Uh, Isaac, their father, he favored Esau. He loved Esau. Rebekah loved Jacob. 
Now that is a destructive pattern of behavior that started with the parents that continued on over and over. And this would lead to major problems for this family. Major problems that we'll cover today. Uh, in chapter 27, if you look, you're going to see that Jacob earned uh, his name. Rebekah and Jacob devised a plan to deceive Isaac into blessing Jacob instead of Esau. If you look back on that, uh, it's a pretty interesting story. So this act of favoritism or partiality showed up many times in Jacob's life. Many times. He went to his uncle Laban looking for a wife. And Laban tricked Jacob into marrying Leah... After working seven years, he worked seven years uh, for Laban to marry Rachel. Laban uh, tricked him on the night of the wedding, and he actually married uh, Leah. And so he wasn't too happy about that. But Laban agreed to give Rachel to Jacob as a wife if he worked for another seven years. So he did. Uh, so Jacob had seen people showing partiality towards each other his whole life. And he learned to do the same. It says that he loved Rachel more than Leah. And that also led to many years of strife and conflict. Genesis chapter 27 verse 30 says that so Jacob went to Rachel also and he loved Rachel more than Leah. So you see this pattern of favoritism start to play out. Uh, Leah and Rachel went on to have 12 sons by Jacob. They would turn into the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob's name is changed later on to Israel. Uh, in cha uh, Genesis chapter 32, another very interesting story about Jacob. See how many t sermons I could have probably preached leading up to today's. I mean, I'm not trying to skip over stuff, guys. I may go back and cover some stuff, but I couldn't just get this text off my mind uh, this week. Uh, in chapter 32, Jacob uh, had an encounter with God, uh, Jesus. We see Jesus show up in the Old Testament again. He wrestles with God, um, and, and God strikes his hip where he has a limp uh, in his hip. So Jacob moves his family uh, from Bethel to Eder, and on the way, Rachel gives birth to their second son, and then Jacob's 12th son, Benjamin later on that kind of brings us to our text today so I know I blew through a lot of that uh, and we will possibly go back and look at some of that other stuff but it brings us to our text today with Jacob in chapter uh, 37 and there, there are just many things that we can learn about Jacob's life uh, and one of the main things that we can learn is that God is faithful to his promises he is absolutely faithful he chooses to accomplish his kingdom purposes through sinful people just like we are, but who are willing to believe in him. And he makes those sinful people new, and he gives them new names. And we see this over and over. Abram, he changed to who? Abraham. We covered that. Jacob, he changes to Israel. And us, he gives us a new name. We are now called his children. His children being born again. And so today in chapter 37, there's some actions and behaviors that Jacob has learned throughout his life. And he has put in his play throughout his life that cause a whole lot of issues in his family. And I want to cover those today. And they're things that we have got to watch out for today in our own lives and in the church. Okay? They're just these are things we have to look out for. The first thing I want to cover today is the sin of partiality. What is partiality? It is favoritism. It is showing favoritism or bias. It's similar to discrimination and can be based on something as social class or wealth or clothing, good looks. But it is the sin of uh, partiality. And if you go back in our text to verses 3 and 4, it literally says that. It says, Israel or Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. So, just because he had, in his old age, Joseph uh, as a son, he liked that for some reason, and he showed very much favoritism and bias towards his son. Jacob literally goes out of his way. He literally goes out of his way to show his son, Joseph, that he loved him more than the others. That, it, it, it's crazy, but he does. He makes him a coat, a coat of many colors, and he wanted Joseph to stand out from the others. He wanted everybody to see that I love him more than everyone else. And I don't think there's anything more damaging to a young person, folks, than for parents to show favoritism or more love to one child over another. There's just not. 
And, and, and he makes all his other sons feel unloved, alone. And what would that look like? Well, that, in practical sense, if you, if you were to give nicer things to one child over another, you have a different set of rules for one child over another. You spend more time with one child over another. You, 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 just, you go out of your way to make sure that one kid is loved more than another. Grandparents aren't off the hook either. We should never go out of our way uh, to, to, to have the appearance that we would love one grandchild over another. Uh, we should, you should always, as grandparents, try to keep things on an even playing field with your grandkids. Make sure they all know how much you love and care about them. How does this, what does this look like in the church, though? There's the family setting. What does this look like in the church? I read a story, uh, there's a couple of fake ones on, uh, online, but this one is definitely true. Uh, it's uh, a pastor named James McDonald in Illinois. He dressed up like a homeless man. Uh, and, no, and, he, and I saw the pictures of him. He looked, I mean, he looked like he was homeless. And you know what he did? He set out in front. This is a very big church in Illinois. He set out in front of the church, his church buildings to see how his members would interact with somebody who was homeless outside of the church building. There were several walked right by him. This is on a Sunday morning. This is literally on a Sunday morning as people are coming in for worship. Many of the members walked right by him, didn't say a word to him, but then he had a lot of other members that offered to get him coffee, get him a donut, invited him into service. He had one member share the gospel with him, go out of his way to share the truth of who Christ was. Many times in our churches, we can show favoritism based upon a social status or based upon the way people are dressed. You know, one thing I love about Crossbridge, I love this about our church, because you're not going to find anywhere in the Bible where it says you have a dress code. It's not there. It is not there. You know what those things are? They're tradition. And when we hold our traditions, when we love our traditions more than we love the people sitting in the seat or in the pew, we got a serious problem. Serious problem. So we should never exclude. If, uh, think about this. Think about this. And I know there's churches that do this. Think about it. If I was to say, every man in here, you need to wear a suit every single Sunday. And ladies, you need to have a long dress on every single Sunday. Now, for one, you're have, I'm going to have a lot of pushback on that. But let's say the elders implemented that. What if there's somebody who can't afford a suit? Does that mean they can't come to church? What if there's somebody who can't afford a nice dress? Does that, that mean they can't worship our Savior? That's what you're telling them. Okay? So we should never show partiality in the church based upon looks, financial status, social status. Listen, because what are we? We're all in one in Christ Jesus. In fact, church, you should go out of your way to make those who, who maybe, maybe are homeless Feel welcome if they're your brother and sister in Christ. And if they're not, share the gospel with them. Right? There shouldn't be any partiality shown in the church. Elders, we have to be very careful. I have to be very careful. We have to be very careful as elders when we're, when we're dealing with tough situations that we treat people the same way regardless of their background. I can't hold one person to one standard and another person to another standard. We're all on the same playing field. We cannot show partiality. There are many people in this illustration from James McDonald, this pastor that walked right by him. And you know what he did? I loved it. He got up and he walked down the aisle of the church and people are like, what is going on? And he walked up and he got behind the pulpit and he took his outfit off. And then they realized, oh, our pastor was the homeless guy sitting out front. Many of them probably sunk in their seats knowing we didn't treat him like we should have. We, should, we can never show a sin of partiality. Listen, because when you think about it, all of us are sinners and come from a broken background. All of us are. James chapter 2 tells us to not show favoritism. Let me back up real quick. Romans chapter 2 verse 11 says, For God shows no partiality. When we show partiality, it is inconsistent with the character of God. So if we're followers of Christ, we can't show partiality. James, James chapter 2 tells us not to show favoritism. He points out that we should never treat someone different based on a financial status or how they're dressed. And if we do, it's wrong. It's wrong. It's sin. It's not just wrong. It's sin. 
Jacob struggled with this in his family. Because Jacob was showing his son different kinds of love and concern. And what did it do? It created a hostile family. It created a hostile environment. You, a lot of you know the story of what happens. Now, God, did God use this for his kingdom? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And you'll see how he used it maybe next week or a few weeks. I don't know. We'll get there, right? We may back up on Jacob a little bit. I don't know. Because there's just so much in his life. But he shows partiality. And it has major consequences and effect on his children. And it creates a hostile family environment. What does it lead to? What does favoritism lead to? Here's the second point. And I only got two points today. It's a quick one, folks. Jealousy and hatred. That's what it leads to. It leads to jealousy and hatred. Uh, verses 5 through 11. Joseph's brothers are now having to deal with this sin of partiality. And then, and then does, jo does Joseph help at all? I mean, Joseph knows that his dad is loving him more. How does he know that? Because what's he wearing? He's wearing a coat. He's wearing a fancy coat. Like, we're, I'm, I'm buying you Versace, or I don't even know what that is, and, and you're getting Dollar General. That's kind of the way it was, right? I don't even know if that's comparable. Some people laughed. I don't know. But you, you got one that you're treating totally different. And what did Joseph do, though? Joseph started walking around going, I got the Versace on. Yeah. And he made sure his brothers knew. And then, you know what? Joseph has some dreams. He has some dreams. Now here's the deal. God was going to use Joseph, and we learned that later on. But did Joseph have to go to his brothers and tell them the dreams? No, he didn't. He's a runny little aggravating sucker, isn't he? And he, he is. He's aggravating his brothers. He's provoking them into what? Anger. He's not helping the problem. He's provoking them. And those brothers... They wanted to give him a good thumping. They wanted to thump him. And you know what the Bible says? They hated him. They hated their brother because of the way Jacob was treating Joseph. Now, when I think about this, when I take a step back and I think about this, I don't think it really started as hatred right off the bat. It was jealousy at first. It started off as jealousy. It starts off as, well, we want what... Joseph has. I want what Joseph has. How come dad doesn't love me like he does Joseph? There was jealousy. And then what happens though? That progression of sin. Is jealousy sin? Yes, it is. It's covetousness. Jealousy is coveting something that somebody else has. In fact, it's one of the first Ten Commandments, isn't it? Back in Exodus. But what happens with this? The sin progresses. It goes from jealousy and it starts to progress and it gets more serious. And then it takes it all the way into hatred, which is murder. Jealousy is the sin of being envious of what someone else has or something that we don't have. Joseph's brothers saw the way that their father was favoring him. Now here's the deal. They didn't handle it in the right way. They didn't handle it in the right way. These, these, these ten brothers could have said, Hey, listen, we're going to focus on what we do have. We're going to focus on the blessings that we do have instead of what they didn't have. They could have focused on the life that God had given them and everything that he had given them, but they didn't. They could have been content, not in how Jacob was acting, but in how God was treating them. So listen, we can find contentment. You may have the worst earthly parents. You may have the worst earthly parent that you could possibly have. I mean the worst. Please, this morning, don't look for contentment in your parents. Let, let me go the other end of that. You could have the best earthly parent that you could ever possibly have. The best earthly parent. Don't find contentment in that. Where should we find our contentment in life? In our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Of what he did for us on the cross. What he did for us. That he went to the cross and he died for us. That my sins, that your sins, were placed on him. 
that he paid the penalty for our sin. He paid the fine. He, he gave us the get out of jail free card. He gave us eternal life when we believe in him. Listen, that's where you find contentment. Not in things of the world, not in relationships. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. What's that saying? Find your contentment in who Christ is and who God is. Not in your relationships. You know why we can't trust relationships? Because you're dealing with sinful people. Don't put your faith and trust in a relationship with me because I'm a sinner. Will, I, will there be a time that I sin against you? Probably so. Because I'm a sinner. When I do that, you know what your responsibility is? Come and talk to me. And say, Jeff, you really hurt my feelings. You sinned against me. Now, Sometimes I may bull up and say, what are you talking about? I didn't do that. But I pray that most of the time I humble myself and say, I'm sorry that I did that. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. I love you. You're my brother and sister in Christ. Will you forgive me? And then you know what happens with the relationship? It's restored. It's restored. Our contentment, though, has to come from Christ. There are many things that people can get jealous and envious over. Money, possessions, spouses. Let me say this church, too. Let me dress it inside the church. Ministries that we carry out. Oh, we can get jealous over ministries. Many preachers think they have to do this. It's my pulpit. Stay away from my pulpit. This is my pulpit. It's mine. This is mine. Oh, we got to guard the men's ministry. You can't get near my men's ministry. I'm the one who does the men's ministry. Guard the women's ministry. You get away from my women's ministry. I'm the one who does that. I don't know. And if anyone steps into their lane, what happens? They become very jealous. They get upset because you can't step into what is mine. Oh, guys, we need to be reminded. I need to remind myself and this body that it isn't my ministry. It's God's. This is not Jeff's pulpit. It's not Mike's pulpit. It's not Mike's pulpit. It's God's. It's, it's not Kim Estelle's freeway ministry. It's not Max or Danny or Allen's men's group. It's not Selena's, Shelly, or Valerie's women's group. It's God's. It's God's. He is allowing us the opportunity to serve Him. Giving us gifts to serve Him. If he gives someone else the same gift to serve him, step back and cheer them on. And be thankful that you can take a break for a week. Be excited. You're giving somebody else the opportunity. He's he's giving you help. He's giving you help. Listen, I want to make sure we understand this. This church and the ministries are the Lord's. And he can take us out of the positions just as quick as he put us in them. He don't need us. It's his. A little bit of jealousy in our hearts can quickly lead to hatred. Three times in our text today we're told that Joseph's brothers hated him. What is that? That is murder. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. You guys have heard me read this before and talk about it before, but it's in the context of today's sermon. So let's look at it one more time. Matthew 5, 21 through 26. Matthew 5, 21 through 26. It says, You have heard that it was said of those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Whoa. We better watch our anger. We better watch when we get jealous. And it turns to anger. What does that mean? You're in danger. You're in danger of murdering your brother with your words, with your thoughts. You remember about a year ago, it's probably been a year ago, I preached a whole sermon on ways that we kill each other. 
we got to be careful. We got to be careful what comes in here about jealousy, about our ministries. We got to be careful. Now, here, here, I love this. But Jesus follows this up in 23. He says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. What's that say? That's saying that, look, if you're worshiping, what's the altar? If you're worshiping, if you are worshiping, and you remember that somebody, your brother or sister, is upset with you, or you are upset with your brother and sister, Jesus is saying, don't worship me. Don't worship me. Go and be reconciled first. Go and be reconciled first. Go and be reconciled. Jesus takes the sin of murder and shows that it starts where? In the heart. Joseph's brothers, you're going to learn, do something horrible to him. Horrible. Probably worse than killing him. Horrible. This whole thing really sums up for me the deal with the brothers. It starts with them not being content in their standing with God. They are looking for gratification from people. Which are who? Jacob. They're looking for gratification from their father Jacob instead of their father God. And Jacob is a sinner, just like all of us, and they don't have contentment with God. Jacob shows the sin of partiality and favoritism. And these brothers become very, very jealous when they want what Joseph is getting. They want love from Jacob. And they stew on that, and it eats at them. And that jealousy turns into hatred. And look what happens. They want to kill him. They want to kill him. Now here, hold on. You know all they had to do? All they had to do was stop and say, I'm going to dad. Dad, you're killing us. Why are you, why are you showing favoritism? Why are you sinning against us? You're, you're openly showing that you love Joseph more than you do us. Do you not know what that's doing to us? You go to the person. You go to the person. Now, jo Jacob's a man of God. I can't imagine that if they would have done that, Jacob would have said, well, I do love him more than all of you. Get away from me. I don't think you'd have done that. I think you would have been confronted with this sin. Right? Now, God uses this later on. We're going to see he uses it later on. They didn't do that. You know what they did? They got angry. They wanted to kill him. They didn't go to the person who was sending against them. They just ran. They threw him in a hole, which you're going to learn, and they ran. And they said, we don't know what happened to him, Dad. <laughs> That's taken care of, though. Threw him in a hole. Sold him into slavery. Took his little coat of many colors. Dipped it in some blood. Take it back to Dad. I, I don't know, Dad. He was eaten by a lion. Sorry. That's what they did. Instead of going to the person. Listen to me. Here's where, this, here's where we close all this. One, we have to be sure that the sin of partiality, that we're not doing that. That no matter who walks through these doors, whether they have on dress pants and a button-up shirt, or they have on old t-shirts and worn-out shorts, that we treat them the same. The same. If they have tattoos all over their face, and I don't, that we treat them the same. We treat them the same. You know why? Because Jesus redeems those people too. They be your brother and sister in Christ. I don't, you know what? Jesus had no tolerance for traditions. None. I have no tolerance for traditions. If we want to have a biblical debate about something, let's look at the Bible and let's look at it. But traditions of men about these things where we show favoritism over one over another need to be thrown out into the trash and hauled to Hartville or Springfield Landfill, wherever it is. Take it there. Get rid of it. This sin of partiality should have no place in our life. Jealousy, hatred should have no place in the life of a follower of Christ. We are to have the perfect kind of love for one another, just like God has for us. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. 1 Corinthians 13 is what? It's the love chapter. What does it say? Love is patient. Love is kind. 
Love does not envy. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not irritable. And does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's a perfect kind of love. You know what kind of love that is? The kind of love that Jesus would go to a cross and die for somebody like me who has lived a life of sin. Listen, this morning, we're going to take communion. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. Maybe you're here today. You never heard the gospel. I want to share with you in two minutes what the gospel is. Number one, you've sinned. I've sinned. We have violated a holy God. We have sinned against God. When we've lied, we've stolen, committed adultery, murdered people in our heart. We've hated people. Because we've sinned, we deserve a punishment. I deserve a punishment. You deserve a punishment. Everybody who's ever sinned deserves a punishment. Just like if I broke the law and I went before a judge and I said, Judge, yeah, I did the crime, but I'm really a good guy. He would say, it doesn't matter you're a good guy. You did the crime. You deserve a punishment. I would be punished. If we stand before God one day and say, well, I didn't really know. I mean, I broke the law. I'm sorry. God's going to say, you should be sorry. You broke my law. You deserve a punishment. But God did something amazing. We can't pay the debt. No amount of good that we can do to pay the fine that we owe for our sin. God did something amazing, though. God became flesh, the Bible says, and lived a perfect life, a sinless life. And he went to the cross. And on the cross, our sins, my sins and your sins, were put on him. He paid the penalty. Just like if I was standing in front of a judge... And the judge gave me a million dollar fine or I have to go to prison for 20 years. And I said, I can't pay the fine, judge. But my good buddy, Mike Castell, walks up from the back of the room and lays a million dollars down on the judge's bench. The judge can look at me and say, you're free to go. Your fine's been paid. God can let you go to heaven. Not based upon your good works or my good works because they're not good. He can let you go to heaven based upon the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. That he paid the punishment. And how do you receive that salvation? You put your faith and trust in Him. That's the only way. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe that He went to the cross and died for you. If you have never believed that today, let me say, that will change your life. It will give you purpose. It will give you meaning in life. That when everything else is crashing around you, you know you are secure for all eternity with the Lord Jesus. And you have a reason to live. You live out your faith in Him. That changes your life. Changes your life. If, you have, if, if you've never done that, I urge you today. The Bible says it's appointed unto man to, to die. Everybody has an appointment before God one day. It's appointed unto man to die and after that the judgment. I could stand before God one day. I could be, it could be today. You could stand before God today. If you've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, I can't urge you enough today when we have this invitation to get down on your knees and say, God, I've sinned against you. And I'm putting my faith and trust in what you did for me on the cross. That you died and you rose again, defeating death, proving you were the perfect sacrifice. If you do that today, the Bible says you're saved. You're justified before God if you believe that. As we take communion this morning, it's a time where we as followers of Christ get to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. We get to remember the sacrifice that he made for us. you got to make this personal. I told you guys this a couple weeks ago. This is a personal thing. That he died for you. He died for me. Yes, he died for the sins of the world, but he died for you. Make it personal. When you're taking communion this morning, make it personal. Listen, if you're not a follower of Christ this morning, you don't have to be a member of this church to take communion with us. What you have to be is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, and the Bible is clear. It gives us a warning. Is that if you are not a follower of Christ, don't take communion this morning. The Bible It says in 1 Corinthians 11 that you can become sick or ill or die. If you are living in unrepentant, rebellious sin against God, and you know that you're living in sin, and you don't, I don't care, God. I don't care. I'm going to live how I want to live. Don't take communion this morning. You become sick or ill. 
This is a time where we can repent of our sins. We can be saved. If it, you can have salvation for all eternity. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. If you need to come, you can come. I'll pray with you. Let's pray, and then we'll sing an invitation. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, this morning for this passage. This was challenging. This is challenging because we are sinners. And, Lord, as much as we don't want to show uh, favoritism or partiality, at times we do. And so, Lord, this was challenging this morning. I pray that everybody who walks through these doors, whether it's the doors of our home or the doors of this church, we treat the same, the same standard. Not based upon how they look, what kind of money they make, what they have on. Not any of those things that are going to become rusty and moth-eaten and don't matter. Lord, we, we treat them the way you treated people. And Lord, you went out of your way, Lord, to go to people who are lost. Let us do the same thing. I pray that this church is always one that's trying to reach the lost. Lord, I pray this morning, if there are people here that have never put their faith and trust in what you did for them... Lord, they can be forgiven and saved this morning. I pray, Lord, the Bible says your word tells us today's the day of salvation, that they will not wait, that they will think about that this is all eternity, and what they decide about you determines where they spend all eternity, whether they're going to pay for their sins or they're going to put their faith and trust that you already did. Lord, I love you this morning. I thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.
right, I'm going to ask you to be seated this morning. If our elders would please come forward. Scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 26 that Jesus had gathered with his disciples to celebrate uh, the Passover meal. And it says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink it all of you for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So as I said again, um, we have an open communion. You don't have to be a member uh, to take communion with us. Just that you have publicly professed Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Uh, that is the qualification uh, for communion. And it's also a time that we can also not only look back on what Jesus did for us on the cross, but we anxiously anticipate uh, his coming. Whether that is in our lifetime or the next, we should be anxiously anticipating uh, going with him to heaven. And, and, and an exciting thing, uh, and an exciting, looking forward uh, to that. This is also one of the two ordinances of the church. This is not uh, something that dispenses grace or you receive mercy or grace by taking it. It is strictly you are remembering the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, I'm going to ask uh, Mike if you would please bless the bread uh, this morning and then we will pass it out and take it together. Lord Jesus, we, we honor you this morning, Lord, and we worship you, Lord, and, and let us take communion this morning, Lord, uh, remembering what it, your body that was um, on the cross, Lord, the body that was given, Lord. So thank you uh, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Jesus said, take eat, this is my body which is given for you. Take ye and eat. He took a cup and he had given thanks. I'm going to ask Mike, Estelle, if he would please bless the cup. Father, I just, uh, we just, just want to say thank you, Lord, and we are grateful, Lord, for the forgiveness of sins that we've received through your son and the shedding of his blood. And uh, so, Lord, help us understand and help us always remember, Lord, that salvation was free, but it cost you everything. That's right. And so we ask you to um, bless this cup to our body. Amen. Jesus said, this is the blood, this is my blood which is given for you. Take ye and drink. And as we do, we're going to end rejoicing uh, our Lord and Savior. So if you would stand as we close, close in song this morning. dismissed. Have a great day.